Well, thank you so much for joining Really Specific Stories, Jean. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm very excited and intrigued. Intrigued is good. Now, I know before we started recording, you said that it was really uh, warm in summertime in there. Over here, it's actually pouring with rain. I didn't mention that. So hopefully it doesn't affect my side. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's nice. I'll think of what it's, you know, what a cool rainy day would feel like instead of a hot sunny day, even though I do enjoy summer. I think I'd take your side. Now, first question, kicking off your story, how did you first get into podcasts? <laughs> well, it was probably like 2004 or five, and I w- was cheap, and I was looking for something to listen to in my car for free. I had been doing audiobooks on tape, and then I started. I figured out a, I got one of those things that could hook my iPod up to my my speaker system, you know, by making it into a tiny radio station and playing it into the radio. It was not the most robust, but it worked. Um, and I, I was going. I, I remember specifically. I was driving to Seattle. I was out of audiobooks, and I thought I keep hearing about podcasts. I wonder what they are um, and uh, it was wonder what there is and so I went in to Apple's podcast directory and I don't know it was probably pretty highly ranked at the time I think it was uh, it was Ricky Gervais love it podcast and I was like <laughs> oh my god so I had watched the office the UK version of the office you know years before I thought well let me I'll download or what I forget, you know, they came out every week. So I think I caught it like right pretty close to the beginning. And then I downloaded what was available. And it was, I had to, I couldn't believe how funny it was. And I couldn't, I actually said, it's actually dangerous to listen to this driving because, you know, he makes me laugh so hard that sometimes I kind of lose, lose it a little bit. But what I, one of the things I remember about that is that because it was kind of one of the first super popular podcasts, they talked about it a lot on the show. And Ricky Gervais was like, apparently we are number one, you know, uh, in the world <laughs> in podcasts. He says, we should have been charging for this. <laughs> I remember that. I heard that. <laughs> and so, you know, it just... I. I yeah, then after that, I I thought, well, I can't only listen to Ricky Gervais. First of all, there's only 12 episodes, I think, plus maybe I should do something relevant to my, my work interests. And so I searched for Mac podcasts and, you know, Macintosh computer-related podcasts. It was before the iPhone. And uh, that's um, how, let's see, what did I... Actually, the first podcast that I listened to was called Your Mac Life. And that wasn't even exactly a podcast in the beginning. It was a show that you could buy on Audible by the episode. But I had met the host, Sean King, and uh, I I I thought I'd give it a try. And I found that really intriguing. And then from there, I started looking for other Mac podcasts. And um, there was... A couple that I got into, one was called 
Mac Geekab, and the other one was Adam Christensen was the host and the Mac cast. That's what it was called. And uh, so, yeah, I just started listening to those podcasts and I enjoyed them. You know, in the case of the Mac cast, it was Adam's show. It wasn't a pair of hosts, but on Mac Geek Gab is two guys, you know, who had known each other since they were like teenagers uh, in tech and, you know, were, were grown men with tech businesses and all this. And so, so uh, yeah, I, those were, those were the first few that I started listening to and I just enjoyed it quite a lot. And it was just such an interesting insight into the industry that I was in because at the time I was working for Smile Software you know, that was also back when we used to go to conventions <laughs> and trade shows. I guess you call Macworld as a big trade show. And so it kind of gave me an insight to some of the people that I would kind of meet at parties and things like that. I, I felt like I, you know, got to know them a lot better and uh, because I was a fan. So that was cool. That was very cool. I don't remember exactly what triggered it, but I suggested to my uh, partners at Smile that we do podcast sponsorship. And we didn't know anything about it. Obviously, nobody really knew. But we had been doing print advertising and some online advertising, you know, like banner ad type stuff. But, you know, we weren't experts in the advertising business and we're less so in podcasts so we decided I guess what happened is oh yeah now I remember is what my uh, partner Greg appeared on your Mac life and was interviewed about our software and we gave out a coupon code for the listeners if they wanted to buy it and we made a lot of sales. We, we really weren't expecting that. And so that's when uh, that's what got me thinking about maybe we should sponsor it. And um, one of the things that I really took to heart that time, and I've used, you know, said this to other people when they're looking for advice on um, advertising on podcasts, sponsoring them. Let's, you know, sponsor because I do think of sponsorship separately from advertising, but I suppose sponsorship is a type of advertising. I said, uh, um, I, we thought we would try um, sponsoring one episode. The person who worked with Your Mac Life managing their, their sponsorships, a woman named Sly Martin, she said to me, you know, you really have to do more than one to see and <laughs> <laughs> right to see some kind of effect and and I thought well you know because we, we were kind of like what if one is just terrible we and we we made a terrible mistake and so but lucky for me Sly convinced me to do three you know like a little package of three and then that was it. There, from then on, Smile was sponsoring at least one or more podcasts, you know, forever. Because 
it did work really well. And it was fun for me because I, I would listen to the podcast, you know, I would listen to the spots. Um, they didn't have to send me any time code. I'm going to listen to the whole podcast because in my mind, like if, if I didn't like the podcast, it would be weird to to sponsor it. You know, it, it, maybe if it wasn't exactly my cup of tea, but it seemed like, you know, we just, we had a brand uh, at Smile and that brand as you can imagine, was pretty positive. <laughs> it's it, it called it, we were called Smile. So yeah, so that was um, that's how it got started, and uh, it was great, and we all really enjoyed it, and it was a great way to get to know people in the business. And I always said, like, if we if we don't really like the show or we don't think the host is really on the same wavelength with us, we're not going to sponsor them because, you know, we, we care. We want people to see that we are using our money to sponsor things that fit with our, you know, brand and what we're trying to do in the community. So, yeah, wow, that was a long time ago. <laughs> But good to reminisce. <laughs> it's cool. I, I'm impressed with myself if I if I do say so that I can remember <laughs> these details because I like to tell people about them when you know they when they come and ask me about sponsoring. I like to get <laughs> kind of like turn into a little old lady on the rocking chair porch, <laughs> say, "No, nah, sit." sit down and I'll tell you all about podcasting (laughs) (laughs) I don't I that has been um that was a a, that just was a big turning point for for the company and I think you know just ratcheted up our success in being able to reach the the users and for users to feel a connection to the company, you know, that, oh, that's the company that sponsors my favorite podcasters. That's a big deal. So, um, yeah. And that, so I was just a podcast listener, (laughs) maybe a guest, maybe I was a guest once or twice, but I didn't really think about becoming a podcaster myself until much later. (laughs) And what was it that prompted that, or when did that happen? Um, I was, um, let's see, yeah, I was, it was 2017, I think that was the year, was the the final season of Orphan Black. Mm. Very, very, very good show, um, TV show, series in, um, from Canada, kind of a sci-fi thriller thing, and I had gotten hooked on it, in fact, by one of my good friends who I met, who's a podcaster, Allison Sheridan, and she, she, I was at her house, she says, let's just watch one episode, and I'm like, okay, and then I was hooked. And it was a, a five-season series, and it was season five, and I couldn't find a podcast to listen to, to to. You know, because I was, it was getting tense. It was this was an amazing, you know, amazing show, amazing stories, and it was wrapping up. And I could feel like I had, it's like I wasn't watching it with anybody else. Like I was like, just want to listen to some people 
talking about it. So uh, there must have been some podcasts, but I couldn't find them. And so I I was surprised. I thought I'd find like, aha, here's um, here's the thing that you listen to if the, you're a fan of Orphan Black. So I just, I said, I'm just going to do a podcast about Orphan Black. <laughs> and, uh, or I said, that's my my plan. I don't know how I'm going to, I don't know what exactly or how, but there doesn't seem to be one. And so <laughs> I created a Twitter account for the podcast, I had a name in mind, which was Sestracast. And and I said, if 100 people follow this Twitter account, then I'll do it. Like, so I, I made it like, <laughs> you know, somebody has to care. When, uh, when I did that, uh, Jason Snell of The Incomparable uh, messaged me and he said, well, do you want to have the show on The Incomparable? And I was like, yes, <laughs> totally. And so that's how that started. Um, and uh, one of the somebody I'd met who was also involved with Relay FM and the incomparable Kathy Campbell messaged me and she said, "I've never watched it. Maybe we could do it together." And I was like, "Yeah, that." And that turned out to be awesome. So I made this, you know. Uh, but what we didn't do is talk about the current season. We start it from the beginning. So it wasn't exactly what I had in mind, but it made a lot more sense. Like, I was kind of like, let's just start right now, and anybody who's watching it will listen. But instead, we create it, you know, it, it's a, what do you call it? You know, it's it's a, a, a companion podcast. So you can, so if you watch it, the show, then you can listen to us talk about it and uh, that's the kind of thing I wanted. <laughs> that's what I wanted for myself. So that once I got started with that, that's when I got um, microphone. I got. I, I was initially using GarageBand. Uh, I got the headphones, and I got. I started learning how to edit, and that's how you know. That's how I got going in podcasting. <laughs> with the TV show. But then uh, once I started doing that, then I started thinking of other things I could do. So the next year, uh, my friend James Dempsey and I, we were talking about the whole getting things done philosophy, uh, the David Allen book. He had never done it before. He had just been uh, so he was just starting out. I had done it before <laughs> many times. <laughs> In fact, Merlin Mann was one of the people who I used to, uh, well, that I, I, I would read his blog about this and, and I, his blog on getting yourself organized. And I thought, oh, let me get this book, Getting Things Done. That was in like 2006, I think. And I, then I do it for a year. I was like, eh, it's not really working. Let's just forget about it. And then I had been on and off of several times. So I thought, oh, if I help James, that'll help me do it myself. And I said, James, you know, we could we could help each other. We could talk about this every week. I said, we could make it a podcast. <laughs> and that's how we, uh, you know, the thing in 
GTD, the weekly review, that was what we called it. Because, and I thought, this will be awesome because now I'll have somebody I'm accountable to and I will do the weekly review and, you know, I will, I will finally get to that David Allen nirvana um, that I always wanted to get to, of mind like water when it comes to uh, all the stuff that you're supposed to be doing. So that podcast has gone on for four years now <laughs> because we, James and I, and, and we never miss a Friday. We do it every week and we always publish it on Friday. <laughs> um, and I've started calling it my so-called productivity podcast because even making a podcast and having to talk to James about it every week has not gotten me over the hump of being a true GTD adherent and so I have recently decided to stop trying and just create my own system and that's what I'm working on now but I don't know James and I I mean we just did episode 220 I think and I can see us I can't really see why we would stop um, but yeah it's good to have a partner podcasting that's for sure Um, I don't know how people well, I do have one other podcast <laughs> now because when we finished with the Orphan Black five seri- five season series, so we we did fifty one episodes total with Sestracast. I just knew that if I didn't do something else, I would lose that that time. You know, would go away that I had dedicated to pop culture uh, podcast, and so. I talked to Jason about I had had an idea I'd had an idea for a while of doing a Star Trek podcast specifically about the Star Trek Voyager series. And so that was that is oh yeah, that is one of my other podcasts and I'm totally forgetting Micro <laughs> Monday. Uh, somewhere in the middle of all that like <laughs> Jason uh, Brent Simmons uh was working at Omni, where Omni Focus is made, and he started doing a podcast for the Omni group, interviewing people at Omni. And I was like, I'm going to steal that idea. <laughs> um, and and at the same time, just at the same time, um, Manton Reese, who is the founder and and uh, creator of everything Micro.blog related, he worked on adding podcasting to the features set of, of micro.blog. So you could have a blog or you could get a premium account and would also include podcast hosting, which is very reliable and easy to use. In fact, the weekly review is hosted at micro.blog. And so I told Mantum this idea I had, that this idea I stole of doing a kind of in-house podcast and and he liked it because we wanted to test it out test out the feature and so we already had a thing called micro monday that we were you know doing it was our version of the twitter follow friday that people could share recommendations and learn about who to follow so we decided to call the podcast micro monday too and 
Uh, that was a weekly podcast for a long time. Again, if you call your thing Monday, if you have a day of the week in the name, there's a lot of incentive to, to get it done. But eventually I did get burned out somewhere around 100 episodes. And so I put it on the back burner until recently, and I just started it up again, which is interesting. You know, people really like that podcast. People really like listening to, you know, get to know people a little better um, who are on blog, And it does make a big difference. I mean, I get to talk to those people myself, and it makes a big difference to me. And, and you, Martin, were one of those people back <laughs> in the day, in the first hundred episodes. I do recall. Yeah. And uh, at that time, I think all we had in common was guinea pigs. Well, that was the first podcast I think I ever appeared on. So it was a wonderful kickstart to my own experience. But yeah, go on. Oh, that's cool. That makes me happy because that is one of my, you know, my secret agenda is to (laughs) convince people that they could do their own podcast. Like if I could do it. And I didn't used to think I could. I used to really defer to all these what I thought of like the stars of podcasting in the Mac and Apple related industries. And, you know, they, and they were, <laughs> they definitely were, but they, uh, I don't know. I think I thought editing would be too hard. I wouldn't know how to do the equipment. I wouldn't know, you know. And so with the other podcasts I've done, I talk with people who do a lot of podcasts um, and know how to record their audio, know how to set up, you know, their, their setup to talk to somebody for recording. But Micro Monday, we have a lot of people who have never done a podcast before, never been a guest before. And I try to make it as unintimidating as possible. And I like to, um, you know, just get like try to say like hey it doesn't have to be it's not that it's not rocket science you know (laughs) obviously there's like anything else there's levels of production guidelines or targets or whatever and i always start off a micro monday discussion with somebody to say remember you know, this is just Micro Monday, and we're just going to have a little chat. This is not national public radio, and don't worry, I will oh, I will edit it, I, and I'll be editing it. So don't stress about making a mistake. Like it's it's hard to remember if you've been doing it for a while, uh, talking into a microphone, that it's pretty intimidating, and <laughs> you can get this feeling of like, what, what what am I saying? Oh, what, why did I use that word? Oh, no, um, I, oh, um, I said, um, again, ah, oh, now I said, ah, and you know, like, <laughs> your brain, I know people have a hard time with that, some people, and so I just try to make it sound like, hey, we're just going to chit chat, and uh, you can, if you get in the middle of a sentence that you don't know how to get out of, just stop and take a breath and say, let's start that one over. That's fine, because I do it all the time. So that's easy to edit. You know, what's not easy to edit is when people change their mind in the middle of a word. And, <laughs> and so... Yeah, how do you show that? Yeah. 
particularly if you're transcribing it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's that makes me happy, Martin, that I'm sure you told me that at the time, but I forgot. And now I think of you as such a famous podcaster <laughs> in your own right. Oh, that's kind. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> you're famous to me. <laughs> and uh, I mean, it is true that hemispheric views when you and Jason and Andrew decided to do it, I was like, huh, that's awesome because <laughs> I I had them all on Micro Monday <laughs> and, and uh, I think they would be a really good fit all together. So I'm sure that's going to be fun. And it seems like it's, well, it is definitely fun, you know, as a listener myself. And I confess, I don't always listen. I get sort of podcast overload Hmm. such that i don't listen to any tech podcasts anymore i mean things like mac geek gab i think mac casts are still going you know my friend allison sheridan with the nocilla cast mac power users i was an original you know listener when they started that and an original sponsor (laughs) so I, I mean, that's like my claim to fame is the first sponsor of the Mac Power users, which are, is such a huge podcast now. And then they got they got big pretty fast. They, it was a really good uh, podcast premise. But but I don't listen to that. I don't listen to accidental tech podcast. I don't listen to the talk show. I don't listen. I mean, every once in a while I will because I've read something about it. And I, I like all those people, you know, I like what they do. But uh, the, if I listen to all the podcasts, I just rattled off here. You know, that's like two days of work. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot. And with what I'm doing now with Microdoplog, Apple you know, everything going on with Apple and with Macintosh is this, is not a a huge part of my job anymore. It's you know, we're an we're not a Apple only community. Um we're mostly, you know, a web based uh service and you know, so I do listen I still I listen to Core Intuition, which is Manton's podcast. Manton listens to the weekly review. I think we both it gives us a chance to catch up on what the other person is doing without actually having to have a meeting to talk about what you know. I, I learn a lot. So that's pretty handy. Nobody ever told me that someday I'd be like using a podcast as a quick way to find out what was going on in my own company mm. and that is another another benefit of podcasting um but yeah so as you as you can tell I'm a big fan of the medium and I don't know I I always have new ideas for podcasts but I have learned to resist actually doing them because a podcast by definition is a time sink you know you have to have the time to record it and you have to have the time to edit it there's no shortcuts really through that it's not like a, a book or <laughs> or an article or something that you could kind of skim or just whatever you, you you can't skim a podcast really you have to listen to the whole thing hmm 
And, and you make a good point about the podcast overload that we can all experience because in my own experience, as I've come to produce more stuff myself, it has been harder to listen, which entirely matches up with what you were saying. Mm -hmm. But I'm also interested in what you were saying about not listening to as many tech podcasts. And that springs a question to mind about what is a tech or technology focused podcast? Mm -hmm. Because you mentioned the likes of ATP, the talk show, you know, yeah. Mac Power uses big guns in that area. And you're producing things or you have produced things over time that had to do with sci-fi, like Orphan Black or mm -hmm. uh, Star Trek Voyager. And then you've got the Weekly Review and Micro Monday, which would you call them tech podcasts in a way or technologically adjacent or related? How do you think about the content that you do consume and produce now? That's an interesting question. I, I mean, I would say that the Weekly Review is tech technology adjacent because hmm. we do use you know software and some hardware plus james used to work at apple he's uh, apple uh, you know he's an ios developer he and a trainer so that's how, how we met he's you know it would be weird if we never talked about software <laughs> but we talk about truly non-tech things frequently too we talk about disney which james is very into disney and we talk about we used to talk about guinea pigs and we talk about james's cat dexter and not just talk about them chit chat but like talk about the strategies for getting things done around you know your your to-do list for your animal or your to-do list to go to disney world or disneyland and so yeah, that's an interesting question. And Micro Monday, I think, is it's only tech related because it grows out of a community that is blogging using software that we created or that other people have created for Micro.blog. I would love it if Micro.blog generally would be feel more like a place that people who who weren't tech whatever the word is, it weren't, you know, very techy that they would still feel like, oh, this is easy enough for me. I think it's not oh, it's hard, but it's, it's not intuitive as it could be. Anyway, but uh, the people who are, who come on Micro Monday, I do try to make sure to have a, a real uh, variety of different people on because if we just went by the majority <laughs> of people who are on micro.blog, it would be a lot of software engineers and programmers and coders and things like that. But I don't know. But at the same time, one of the things I have learned through micro.blog is like I should not um, stereotype <laughs> anybody <laughs> because you find out People have the most unusual or compelling or interesting hobbies and interests and things that they do and places that they live and, and you know, all that, that has nothing to do with whether they write software for Apple or for something else. So, so I'm glad I, I've gotten to know people better through the community generally, but also Micro Monday specifically. I really get to talk to people and find out what their 
what they're doing. Well, that's something I've really enjoyed about the podcast as I've listened to over time. And, and as you mentioned, you had that hiatus, so it's good to have it back. I've really personally benefited from that idea of community building or community management mm-hmm. that you've done with micro.blog. And I, I'm not just saying that because as you rightly identified, it's out of that kind of communication and mixing with people that spawned hemispheric views. So through your story, you've talked about uh, how you went from listening to producing podcasts, very interestingly, actually being among the community or physically near or talking to people who are producing such content. Now that you've had that experience of meeting people and being exposed to a broader international community, how does it feel to be the person who's formally managing a community of bloggers and podcasters and the like? <laughs> That's funny. You know, when uh, when Manton launched Blog on Kickstarter and he made it his stretch goal to hire a community manager, I was immediately interested, even though I thought, well, I guess I have never been a community manager, so I don't know if I'm really qualified, but I'm going to write to Manton anyway. And I I said to him, I think I, I would be a good fit for this. But based on my building a community around Smile products and, and Smile's activities, you know, I, it's an interesting, I mean, I feel like I'm not really a a manager of the community anyway. I'm a facilitator of people getting to know each other, but I don't, you know, what I thought the job was going to be like, which would be more like regulating, (laughs) regulatory in nature that, you know, getting rid of bad actors and trolls and things like that uh, hasn't really turned into much of the time I, that I spent because it's uh, the community's just evolved pretty nicely on its own. Uh, <laughs> I think there's one time where I sent you uh, a, a note in the timeline about, um, you know, this is how we're going to end up, you know, putting restrictions on replies. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I was a bit out of control with the length of a reply was... once, and I did. In my mind, I thought it was going to be collapsed. Funnily enough, but it didn't. No, they don't. So it caused trouble. No, no, I know. If they collapsed, that might be, that might be, you know, not a problem. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those funny things about the the system <laughs> because we didn't have a a, a limit. Uh, a character limit on replies we never have had it and but that wasn't by design it was just oops we forgot to do that Mm. and so we sort of let it go to see how it would go and and more or less you know people have um not gone too crazy but that one was (laughs) an entire like thousand word movie review i believe and i i wasn't it was funny because you said, I think you said something about like, oh, I really screwed up because Gene is writing to me. <laughs> and because I, I never do, I almost never do. And I, I, I did it, you know, one, just to say like, you know, you, you may not be aware, but this is, this is not that great in the timeline. And two, why not pu- publish this as your own 
um, post because it, you don't want to lose it. As I mean, in the timeline. So it, it was funny because that's yeah. I was it, that is the the thing that comes to mind when I think about <laughs> regulating the community. <laughs> Is giving it, and it was a good regulation <laughs> because it prompted me to actually post it as an original piece. So you did your job. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, that's my. That's that's as far. Uh, that, <laughs> that's me uh, cracking down on the community. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's. Um, I love it's that it's a very international community. It wasn't that way right in the beginning. I remember. Some people who were in other countries would say, hey, everybody wake up, you know, (laughs) because they would be on, you know, posting on Microdot blog and and everybody in the U.S. time zones or North American time zones would be asleep. It wouldn't be that Australia would be asleep. Like, anyway, I don't think that's an issue anymore. I think we have a pretty lively uh, community that is on European standard time and we also have our Australians and New Zealanders and Filipinos and some people in Japan like to keep things going on that end of the of the time zone spectrum. So that makes me really happy and I mean one of the things I do is I'll send people stickers, uh, microdot blog stickers if they ask for them and you know people just have to send me their mailing address and I decided in the beginning to just write these things out by hand because trying to automate it, it's not a huge number. And uh, I thought eh, people would be surprised to get something handwritten in the mail. <laughs> and uh, so when I do that, and of course I have stamps, uh, domestic for U.S. and then uh, international stamps for everywhere else. Um, so I'll have two two piles, and the pile that has international stamps is just as big as the U.S. pile, and that's cool. So it makes me happy. It's sort of like having, you know, I've always enjoyed getting to know people from different countries and traveling, you know, going to school for a while in Germany. Oh, yeah, that's another thing we have in common. <laughs> Freiburg. Yeah, so, but... Uh, you know, pen pals, that was a thing back when I was a kid, which was actual writing letters, putting stamps on a mailing to kids in other countries. So I feel like all those kids have grown up and now they're my friends on Microdevlog. <laughs> so I like that. That's great. In the course of you talking about, I suppose, making an international audience, there is, I suppose, that degree of wanting to be accessible. You said that you think micro.blog could be a little bit more intuitive mm-hmm. and it's balancing, you know, I suppose the hardcore feature set for people who want it with, you know, just dive in and get started. Right. How much do you think about the, I suppose, the underlying technology of micro.blog or similar things and things like openness and accessibility? Is that at the forefront of your brain or... Is that something that you think less about as community manager? No, I think about it a lot. I mean, I think that's part of the building the community. I do a lot of work on the help documentation. And I've always done that. You know, when I worked at Smile, I would write the help documentation because it just helps it to not be the, the programmer who designed the software explaining it to other people. And... I mean, Manton has written a lot of the help docs too, but I 
I have written some, and I also go in and edit some. And we we are constantly like saying, oh, this needs to be updated, or this actually isn't answering people's questions. And you know, I do actually follow the customer support email queue as well, uh, so I can see what people are asking and see. You know, some like you say, there's some people. There's a, there's a segment of the the community that really enjoys digging into the guts <laughs> of the software and writing plugins and themes and and that's great. But there's also the people who are like, why does my domain name not work? And mm. that's a big deal. Yeah. So documentation open try to be open about the you know we have a help forum which i think is is pretty good you know people who want to ask questions that they think other people might know the answer to or they want to ask for a feature they think other people will get behind going on the forum is a good way to do that in terms of accessibility we have you know definitely We've made some improvements, but we can make more. And we literally were just talking about that this week. And uh, example, we have a a timeline, a curated timeline called Discover, where people can, you know, if they aren't following anybody, can find people to follow. And it's also where new people are featured so that the community could find them. And it includes... Short posts includes links to longer blog posts, and it includes photographs, but it doesn't include anything that is like a, f- a graphic, especially like picture of text, because unless <laughs> unless somebody actually included uh, alt text, which most of the time they don't. Yeah, I just I I think it's important not to put things into that timeline that can't be understood if there's no uh, accessible description. You make a good point because on Twitter, it's been such a thing that people, you know, share their manifesto or their personal lives in this screenshotted notes app Yeah. in Twitter. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, which I haven't seen as much on micro.blog, but maybe there's more of an awareness. You've kind of bred that environment in a way. I mean, it's, you know, we do have this, pretty enthusiastic segment of the community that's really into pen and paper you know analog Mm. writing tools and those people sometimes write things and then take a picture of them then post them and yeah but they need to add accessibility tags you know it's not a thing we would force people with the software to do but but as a community i think we can stand up for that and and encourage people to to do it. Yeah, there's some I don't know what the program or service is, but that like people can generate a quote from a book and some like picture of the book's cover and whatever. Like people like that a lot and that is just a picture of text with a picture of the a cover of a book that's text. <laughs> <laughs> It's, uh, yeah, so I don't know what generates those and whether they could, you know, generate alt text with them. Uh, it's something I should probably research, but alt 
descriptions are just, you know, the beginning of being accessible, but it's especially with micro.blog being so photo heavy, which I wasn't expecting in the beginning, that should be encouraged for all photos, regardless, um, some description. And with all of your experience across blogging and podcasting, you mentioned some improvements just there that you are working on and would like to see broadly about blogging and podcasting. Is there somewhere that you would like to see it go? Or do you think that there are things that need to happen in this area? Hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, the longer I go, the less I, I listen to anything that is really commercialized. So things with advertising inserted into them. I mean, when I first heard of that years ago, I thought that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> but of course, if people think it, they can make money, they will do it. I don't even listen to like the NPR podcast or the NPR or the the fancier podcast networks where they have too many ads, you know, they just and they're ads, they're not like sponsorships um, at all. I guess what I, I don't want to happen, and I wonder, you know, I haven't followed it too closely lately, but this business of podcasts being exclusive to one platform or another, that is terrible. <laughs> they should not be called podcasts. I would like to see them just be called called audio shows or whatever because they're not available to subscribe to unless you're a subscriber to you know I'm talking about Spotify of course but but I could see that oh there's other networks where you have to be like a member or whatever I mean I don't know there's monetization issues obviously not everybody can make podcasts uh, for free, which is mostly what I do. I mean, I do them for free, but I get my own personal benefit out of them. So, I, you know, I appreciate that. I don't want to say, oh, podcasts should not make money, but they really have to strive to stay true to the original spirit of the medium, which is open and not locked in a silo of some sort. So it comes to that word accessibility again, really. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a different meaning of accessibility than what we were talking yep. about before. But being available, the availability of podcasts should be mm. should be broad and make money with sponsorships, you know, not advertising. Find companies that care about you and believe in you and and let them pay you because you bring them an audience that they want. But that's me. <laughs> that's no, I think that's, I think that's an excellent overview or summary of the value of the medium. And thinking about everything you've said for your story, I think you've covered a lot. But is there anything that I haven't asked you, that I haven't asked you about at all, that you would like to mention in your history of consumption or production, <laughs> in your personal experience? I, I thought you were going to ask me what my favorite podcasts are, but I... Oh, well, uh, <laughs> final means. What are they? But then I, as I say it, I'm like, but oh, I don't really have a good answer for that. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I got into, into the whole uh, pod, 
popular culture podcasting, uh, the Incomparable Network, from listening to their mm. Star Trek uh, random trek, which is every every episode, this random episode of Star Trek is picked out of a hopper, and a guest is assigned, and and they talk. So I love that. Like I, I've often thought, oh, I'd love to do a random style another show but uh it only it works for things that are really episodic you know um but the host scott mcnulty he's sort of my one of my podcasting heroes and uh yeah what have i else do i listen to these days i have a lot of things i, de- I definitely i avoid the podcasts that are long <laughs> i just don't just, so not many people are as, uh, as succinct as Micro Monday. Where would you say long begins? Long begins uh, 45 minutes. Oh, dear. So you may not be listening to this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just teasing. That's all right. Okay, you can cut out some. <laughs> cut out my last question. My, my question that I have no answer for. Um I think it's interesting because, you know, we do know a lot of really long podcasts and they are really popular. Like, And then I do personally look for the things that are in the 40 minutes or less. And um, I think with Micro Monday, it's, I try to keep it around 20 minutes, but it's up to me to not be so chatty. It's not hard. <laughs> When people are interesting on your network, of yes. Course. So I do enjoy that as well. So, well, that's good feedback for hemispheric views as well because we've often wrangled with what would the average duration be, and we've kind of settled on forty-five minutes as the benchmark. But you're saying forty minutes, so maybe we could be even more succinct. That's good. Yeah, I wasn't sure how long hemispheric views is but i think for, with three people and the and the also you guys do an amazing job of editing it up into seg- segments so oh thank you that is definitely cool and that's a lot of work no well i appreciate that recognition because we, we do try to edit it carefully without carving things up so much that it's incoherent or doesn't have cohesion <laughs> that that's nice that you say that that's great. Well, look, in the interest of time then, because I can see we're almost going to hit an hour, would you like to draw to a close or did you have anything you'd like to finish with? Oh, I, d- I mean, I'll get on my soapbox and say, people, make podcasts. Try it out. You don't need to have thousands of listeners. Make a little podcast with interviewing your family members or uh, things like that. You, like it's, it's a cool medium and... It, uh, is not that hard to do. So don't be intimidated. Become a podcaster. If I can do it, everyone can do it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Really Specific Stories. Jane, I appreciate your time. You're most welcome. And thanks, thanks for the fun chat. <laughs>